Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Turn to 1 Corinthians 15. 1 Corinthians 15. We are up into what is basically part 9 of our series that we've been into. Uh, I think that's correct. No, we're further than that. Uh, 19th part, excuse me. I had a little confusion there. 19th part. So we are talking tonight about what about your friends? What about your friends? Because I can tell you as a pastor, in 33 years of pastoring, I cannot tell you one single thing that I have watched be more detrimental and or more helpful in a person's life than friends. I guarantee you. You have the right friends, huge help. You have the wrong friends, you're going the wrong direction. Huge detriment to your life. And I will guarantee you, you and I need to watch out for this, recognize what Scripture teaches about it, and help others to understand it as well. Number one, on your notes... Who you run with is who you act like. Say it. Who, say it personally. Say, who I run with is who I act like. That's a fact. Whoever you run with, you're going to act like. I know people who say, oh, I don't allow others to influence me. But you do. Whether you think you do or not. It's just a part of what is an aspect of human nature. And it will affect us. So who we run with, guess what? That's who we're going to act like. Praise God. If you run with people that are in love with Jesus, honor Jesus, serve Jesus, submit to Jesus, guess what you're going to be like? You're going to be just like that. People, And if you're doing that, people hang out with you, they're going to be just like that. Amen. Number two, also very important to understand who you listen to most often. Underline that. Who you listen to most often. Now, who you listen to most often doesn't just refer maybe to a live person. What about TV? What about other influences? You know? But obviously, it came from somebody. Who you listen to most often is who you sound like. Want to know who you sound like? Who do you listen to most often? I am so excited as we're about to complete our redemption uh, teaching on Sunday morning to get into this new series with you, teach you some very significant spiritual laws, show show them throughout the Bible of how significant they are and how they work and how it will change your life because it's already affected your life to where you are today. So let's look at number three here. Number three, bad company corrupts good morals. Bad company corrupts good morals. Morals. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're a pastor, an apostle, an evangelist, a teacher, a prophet, a laity in the Bible, somebody other than the fivefold doesn't make you less than anybody else. We're all the same in the eyes of God. Fivefold just means we got more responsibility, more things we we have to give an account for other than you. The Bible says don't even desire to be a teacher. You'll give a stricter judgment. So that doesn't mean, I'm just saying, you know, sometimes people look at fivefold ministers and stuff and they think, well, you know, surely uh, people, if they got around them, if they had bad morals, wouldn't corrupt them. Oh, yeah. There's no place that says if you get around people with bad morals, it will corrupt you except if you're this person. No. 
No, look at it. 1 Corinthians 15 will tell you this. 33, do not be deceived. Isn't that amazing? First statement about this truth. Very first statement. First four words. Say it with me. Do not be deceived. Turn your neighbor, say it to him. Do not. Okay, so how many of you don't want to be deceived in life? That's about half of you. How many of you don't want to be deceived in life? You don't want to be deceived in life. So he tells you what to do here. Now the context of a protective measure so that you're not deceived. Notice the next statement. Evil company corrupts good habits. Underline the word corrupts, please. Evil company corrupts good habits. You know, I, I like uh, in the sense of kind of neat because I just like the way they look compared to modern day vehicles. Something about them that, you know, modern day vehicles just don't compare to. I like classics. I think they're cool. I just, I think it's sad we don't build vehicles anything like they used to. You know, that were really actually nice looking, cool. It's like everything looks the same now. You ever notice that? I mean, gosh, man, it's like, but I mean, back in the day when I was a teenager growing up, you know, a, a Ford Mustang looked nothing like a Camaro. I mean, these are two totally different vehicles. When you looked at anything from a Chevy to a Dodge to a Ford, you name it, I mean, they were totally different. There was no, if you looked at the trucks, totally different. I mean, completely different. Now it's like they kind of just all run together, it seems like. But, you know, one of the keys about classic cars, of course, is one of the main things you want to look into when you go into buying classic cars is, is there rust in that vehicle? Problem is, half the time you can't see it. If somebody's done pretty good body work, they can even cover it up and hide it. They can obviously keep it away from you where you can't really see it. Now, if you're really good with classic cars, you kind of know some tricks how to find that out. But obviously, in the context of a normal individual looking at a vehicle, you may not see it. But rust isn't something that just pops up on a car instantaneously. It's a slow process. It begins little by little creeping into that metal, and then it begins to expand and grow and go further. And as it does, it does more and more and more and more damage. Guess what? That gets more costly to restore. The more, the more that rust you find, more the more money you're going to spend to restore that classic back to normal. Amen? So realize in your life the word corrupt here is the same thing. See, this corruption with wrong people is so subtle and so slow in its work that it's almost like you don't notice it until it's done its damage. Now when it's done its damage, costly. Very costly. It's going to cost you a lot to get back where you were with God. I don't mean the sense you're going to earn something from God. I'm saying you've drifted so far away from where God originally had you. It's going to take some work to get back there. Now understand this. That's why he says you and I are not to be deceived. If we're not going to be deceived, what does that mean? I'm going to pay attention to who I hang out with. Notice the word company. Company. So he's not talking about you and I obviously cutting ourselves off from everybody in the world. You should be a witness to every person you're around, especially those of evil, uh, you know, evil uh, habits at workplace, etc. Uh, you just don't hang out with them. You, you, you don't make them your common company. You don't, you don't go and, you know, constantly have dinners with them and do, you know, nothing wrong if God told you to do that to go witness to them, talk to them about the gospel. But I'm talking about you don't go hang out at their house and then come hang out at yours all the time. So you got to understand what we're talking about is keeping company with. Evil company corrupts what? Good habits. Now, if you don't think that's important where you go to church, it is. Because we're supposed to be with people with like faith. I am grateful for every single church that will acknowledge Jesus Christ is the only way. 
to salvation. I am grateful for that. But I also know that if I was not a pastor and I just went and hung out at other churches that didn't believe the whole Bible, I'm going to be limited in my development and growth. Because I'm not going to be able to attain to all that God wants because I'm not hanging out with people of like precious faith. It's amazing how many people will compromise on what they do because of their own hurt feelings, because of their insecurity, because of their attitude, because of their flesh, their carnal nature, name it. They, they, they oftentimes will pull away from things where God wants them all to simply please themselves, to get in a place where their ears are tickled, to get in a place where they're, you know, obviously pulled away from something they want to get away from because they don't like what's going on in the sense I'm not being, you know, context, I'm not getting what I want, being dealt with the way I want to be dealt with, etc., uh, or won't receive correction. How many know the proof of who your pastor is? Does anybody know what proves I mean, you could say, you could say, this is my pastor. What proves it? What proves it? Submission. Yep, exactly. But what, how, how do we know you're submitted? See, what? You'll receive correction. See, you could claim that I'm your pastor. But the only thing that proves if, if I'm your pastor or not is can I correct you? If I correct you, you run off. You're, I was never your pastor. You never settled that in your heart. Or maybe I was at one time. But, but what proves that that person is really your pastor? I'll receive correction from them. Now realize it's not from their opinion. It, it's black and white from the scripture. If I hand you the scripture overall context and say, here's what it says. I can't tell you many people, you don't realize over the 33 years I've been a pastor that I've showed them the Bible and they'll say this. I mean, you know, this phrase is very common in our church. I mean, I've said it to you many times. Of course, you use the answer. I know the Bible says that. Now, wait a minute, if you know the Bible says that, what are you adding a butt to it for? See, you're heading down the wrong pathway. But I'll tell you what, you probably started heading down that wrong pathway because of wrong influence. I doubt you did that on your own if you were once submitted. Some other influence started affecting you and corrupting you. Little bit of rust began to take place. And little by little began to corrupt your thinking, corrupt your mindset, and corrupt your submission level. And therefore, hurt your life. 14, awake to righteousness. That here means actually awake to doing what's right. Think about the context of what we just read. What did he say? Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Therefore, do what? Awake to righteousness and don't sin. You wake up to what God says is right. Don't allow people to influence you to do what's missing the mark with God. Sin's missing the mark. You know, sin is not just, quote, unquote, committing adultery, getting drunk. Sin is not just, the, you know, murdering, whatever. You know, sin is also any aspect of missing the mark with God. Right? If I don't receive correction, guess what I'm doing? I'm missing the mark. If I don't forgive people, guess what I'm doing? I'm missing the mark. So he's saying you got to wake to what's right. And therefore what? Do not sin. Notice what he says. For some do not have, listen, some do not have the knowledge of God. In other words, they don't really know what God says about the subject that you're dealing with. They act like they do. Notice he says, I speak this to your shame. This is in context to the company you keep. When he says, clearly he says, for some do not have the knowledge of God. What that means is, again, what if the company you're keeping obviously is not walking in the light of what the, of what the knowledge of God says in the word? They're going to hurt you. 
They're going to affect your life. If you know what's right in the sight of God, and know, therefore, knowledge of what God's Word says, and somebody's trying to obviously lead you astray, guess what? You awake to doing what the Bible says is right, and therefore you get away from them, and guess what won't happen? You won't miss the mark with God. Can I get a better amen than that? Number three again, bad company does what? It corrupts. You got to circle that on your notes as well. It corrupts good morals, good habits. Uh, 3A, many people, say many, sadly, say many. many. This is a sad truth. But many people refuse to admit this truth. They refuse to admit that bad company corrupts good habits. They refuse to admit it. The Bible's clear, though, on this subject, all throughout Scripture. We're just going to see a handful of verses tonight. 3B, you better do what? You had better guard who you allow to be your company and including who enters your home who you have company with and hang out with, and who you allow into your home. 3C, you had better guard who is speaking into your ear. What did Wigglesworth allow in his house? Nothing but the Word of God. You want that kind of faith? Nothing but the Word of God. Don't say you can't come to that degree of level of faith. You can. Uh, 3D, people around you who, (coughs) excuse me, people around you who don't live holy, will eventually what? Because it's a corruption work. They will what? Eventually wear down your resistance and spoil your morals, your moral standing of way of living. Okay? Go to Proverbs 12. Proverbs 12, 26. 12, 26. Now, you know, this was one of the first things that changed in my life as a believer. Can I, can I explain something to you? This is one of the first things that changed in my life as a believer. After I got born again... Things that I had in relationship with friends of mine not allowed to bother me in the past. Things that really didn't, you know, really didn't affect me. Words I heard, things that were done, things that were said, places that were went, etc. They didn't bother me as a sinner. Started bothering me as a believer. All of a sudden, my spirit was like grieved about going to these places, grieved about hearing this stuff. It's one of the first things that changed in my life. Listen carefully. So one of the first things that changed in my life as a believer was friends. Guess what has never stopped changing in my life? Adjusting of my friends. The adjusting of my friends. I love everybody. I'm not going to be friends with everybody. The minute somebody gets in rebellion, does not want to repent, doesn't want to walk in the light of God's word, you're no longer my friend. I love you, but I'm not going to be your friend. If you're going to walk in the context of what is truly wrong in the sight of God... I am not going to violate the Bible for you. I'm not going to be- violate. I'm not going to violate the Bible for for me. I'm not going to violate the Bible for anybody. I'm not going to violate the Bible and maintain a friendship with somebody who has gone astray in walking in line with God's word. They're no longer doing it. They've chosen to walk a different path. I love you. My friendship with you just ended. See, some people understand. I got to change friends when I get born again, but it never stops. I'm going to tell you why. Because the Bible said in the last days, how many know you're there? The love of many will grow. How many? The love of many. So hopefully that's not you, Jesus' name. But you know what that means? People around you, their love for God will grow cold. Well, if it does, do I want my love to grow cold? If I don't, I better stop having company with them. I know I keep addressing. I'm not doing it on purpose. I'm just telling you the facts today. You got to deal with social media, folks. 
Too many of you obviously don't think of social media sometimes. and I mean, Christians don't. Not too many of you Christians don't. Too many Christians don't see social media as an issue when it comes to friendship. Well, I guarantee you, you reading their posts and hanging out with them on social media is the same as hanging out with them in your home. You're letting them influence you in a wrong way. A lot of people really get down on our church about this. Man, you're such a clothesline church. You don't want any friends, da, da, da. I had somebody tell me this one time. Pastor, what you're teaching me from the Bible means I won't have many friends. I said, sad, isn't it? Sad that you won't. But you're exactly right. If you think about it, Jesus didn't have a lot of close friends. Anybody know how many close friends he had? How many close friends did he have? He had three. He had 12 disciples. Jesus wasn't a close friend. He was a betrayer. Who was a close friend? Three, right? Peter, James, and John are the three that he always pulled away to take, you know, wherever he was going in relationship to things he did, right? That though, that he would pull those three uh, with him in the time in the garden of Gethsemane in prayer. Think about that. In his biggest time of trial, who does he take? These three. I mean, all 12 of them were there, but then he pulls the three even further aside, right? Mount of Transfiguration. Imagine getting to see, you know, Jesus transfigured into his, at that point, really, uh, in, in, his, in his glorified state for just a moment. And the Father there, right? To hear the Father talking to, the, to Jesus and to see Moses and Elijah standing there talking to Jesus. Only three saw that. How many close friends did Jesus have? Three. So why do we want 50, 60, 100, 1,000 on Facebook? Why do we want all these friends? Why do we want all these friends? We call them friends. That's what we call them. Well, you got five, you know, almost 5,000. I don't follow them. I don't, I don't have company with them. I, I, I minister the gospel to hopefully help them to receive the truth of God's word. I want to help them. I want to help everybody. But I'm not going to go hang out with you. Come on, somebody. So notice Proverbs chapter 12, 26. 12, 26. The righteous said, that'd be me. In the New Testament, that's us who are born again, right? Who therefore want to do what's right in the sight of God. The righteous should do what? Now, notice it didn't say they will, but it said they should. Why? Because some don't. Some that are born again and righteous don't choose their friends carefully, but they should. I said they should. Tell your neighbor, you should choose your friends carefully. The righteous choose their friends carefully. Why? Because the way of the wicked will lead them astray. Now, of course, again, people would say, well, but if they're born again, they're not wicked. If they're doing what's not right in the sight of God, it's evil. And therefore wicked and not right. If a person's born again and they're sleeping with somebody in adultery and you're going to hang out and fellowship with them, you don't call that wicked? You don't call adultery wicked? You don't call adultery evil? I do. The Bible does. The Bible doesn't call it something that's just, oh, a mistake. No, it calls it evil. It calls it wicked. So if anybody's involved in that kind of obvious lifestyle, doesn't mean I won't keep trying to reach out to them, love on them, and help them out of their sin. But if they reject what I have to say, I'm not fellowshipping with you. Our pastor has dealt with over 500 adultery cases in his ministry lifetime. Think about that. 500. 500. He lost count after he just quit counting. 500. He said, I'm going to tell you a common theme in every single one of them. A person who was in that marriage started having time and spending time in context with somebody of the opposite sex in their company and that person clearly was not right. And because they started hanging out with them, fellowshipping with them at work or lunch or whatever, Satan took advantage of them. 
So I'm going to tell you right now, guess what? It's a, it's a fact no matter what you look at in life. Evil company is going to do what? Corrupt good habits. The wicked will lead the very righteous what? Astray. Doesn't, just because you're righteous doesn't mean you can't be led astray. Right? You're awful quiet tonight. Don't get that quiet on me. Amen? Watch this. Proverbs, uh, excuse me, number four, uh, under Pro, above Proverbs 12, be sure to do what? Choose your friends carefully. This is a powerful statement, Dr. Barclay. A, never, underline it, never let your friends choose you. Never let your friends choose you. It should not be your friends choosing you as to who you should have as friends. No, you should choose who your friends are going to be. Right? Just like they should be doing if they're a believer living according to the Bible. And if you're living in a way that's right in the sight of God, they should want you as a friend. Glory to God. Now, you understand a baby Christian, right, that's not totally yet been uh, converted. They're going through conversion. Yeah, sure. But you can tell if they got a heart to change. You can tell if they obviously are doing that. So we're not talking about somebody who's a brand new baby Christian who's going through conversion. We're talking about people who walk with God for years and now have obviously started going back the opposite way. Not good to hang out with. Amen? So I've heard people say for years, uh, I'm always going to have sinner friends. The Bible didn't tell you that. The Bible said to be a friend of the sinner. Didn't say to have him as a friend. Big difference. Big difference. You listening? If, if, the, if the righteous choose their friends carefully because the wicked will lead them astray, why would I have friends that are sinners? They're wicked. They're, they have a sin nature. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be friendly to them. Every time I see them, I'll be friendly to them. I'm going to talk to them. If they want me to go hang out at their house and, you know, drink a bud with them and, and you know, and, and shoot some pool and stuff, say, nope, sorry, can't do that. Not going to do that. But I'll tell you what you can do. Now, if you want to come to my house, don't bring your bud with you because it won't be allowed in the house. If you want to come to my house, hang out with my family for a little while, sure, you can come. Pastor, when he got born again, you know, all his buddies were beer drinking buddies, you know. And they all wanted to continue drinking beer. He said, no, when he got delivered from I'm done with it. This one guy wouldn't leave him alone and said, Mark, we're coming over. Me and these other two buddies of ours, you know, we're coming over. We're bringing beer with us. Get ready, man. We're going to have some time. No, don't even come to my house with that stuff. You're not getting in here with that. No, we're coming. And they showed up. And they were out there in their vehicle, and they just walked up, knocked on the door. And they said, come on, Mark, let us in. He said, get it. You got your beer with you? Yeah, get out of here. Yep. No, no, we're not going to get out of here. We're going to wait for you to come out and party with I'm not partying with you. The devil's persistent, folks. Sadly, far more persistent than most believers. And so he said, no, get out of here. He said, I want you off my property now. Don't want you here. So we're not leaving until you come out and drink a beer. He went back in, closed the door, went and got a shotgun, walked out, shot it one time in the air, pointed at him, said, get out of here. They took off. Now, you can say what you want. That's a, he, he, was a, he was a newbie Christian, but he couldn't get rid of him. But I'll tell you what, that scared him enough to get out. Now, so, now, folks, if you don't treat the devil that way, he knows that you're going to give in to his actual continual, uh, you know, wearing you down with the wrong people. You listening? So clearly he tells us again here in verse 26, if you're righteous and you are, say amen, then you should be doing what? Choosing, come on, choosing your friends. It doesn't mean you are, but in Jesus' name, may you be. All right, Proverbs 13, move a little further over, next chapter, Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with wise men will be what? Man, how many want to be a wise man? How many want to especially be a wise man in the last days? Tell me why. Because the five wise virgins are going in the rapture. The five foolish are not. 
What's part of the problem that makes Christians foolish? Read on. Notice this again, verse 20. He who walks with wise men will be what again? He will be wise. Watch this. But the companion, companion, company, friendship, the companion of fools will be what? Destroyed. If you're a companion or keeping company with or friends with fools, guess what? You're going to be destroyed. Destroyed here means taken advantage of. You know why? You're going to become a fool just like them. You're going to become a fool just like them. How many know that a foolish virgin is not going to be obviously real excited when Jesus comes back? They're going to be trying to go find extra oil that they knew all along to get. And now all of a sudden it's too late. The thing about the, the foolish virgins is they don't realize it's not going to be like, da, 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 oh, I got time to get oil. No, it's going to be too late, man. When the trumpet blows, he's already going to be appearing in the clouds and the wise are going. Number five on your notes, your companions will make you what? They will make you or break you. 5A, powerful. Walk with, walk with the wise and you'll be what? Wise. You'll be wise. 5B, be a companion to fools and what will happen? You'll be a fool. Your choice. Your choice. You want to be wise or a fool? I said you want to be wise or a fool? Watch who you're hanging out with. Watch who your companionship is with. All right, Proverbs 20. Go on over to Proverbs 20. Proverbs, if you don't know, there's so many of these in Proverbs because Proverbs is all about relation, re- relating to man, relationship with man, how we relate to other people. Psalms is all about relating to God. Psalms teaches us a lot about God. We learn a lot about God in the Psalms. <clears throat> now realize some of the things that said in there in the Psalms about God, they said, but it's not necessarily true. And then you'll find that out as you go further into the Psalm. But you got to understand, because some of those Psalms were, you know, think about David. You know, remember uh, Brandy's message in the cave, right? And who come to him? Man, all these hundreds of people in debt, in dis- in di- uh, discontent, in debt, in distress. What a group of people to hang out with, right? Or should he hung out with them? Yeah, they're coming to him wanting his help. They don't want to stay that way. But you got to understand something, man. Even David had times he was challenged in his life where in those psalms, as he would write those psalms, he would start off pretty down and out. But if you'll notice, before he gets to the end of the psalm, he's rejoicing and praising God. Okay, Proverbs 20. You there with me? Proverbs 20, verse 19. He who goes about as a talebearer, underline the word talebearer, what does he do? Reveals secrets. He who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. You know what it sounds like? You know what? I'm going to tell you something. Now, don't tell anybody else. Why are you telling them? Do you have permission to tell them? No. Then why are you saying anything about it? I won't help you tonight. If a talebearer comes to you, tells you a secret about somebody else, guess what they'll do with secrets they know about you? They'll do the exact same thing. If you think they're such a good friend, they don't talk about you. Are you kidding me? If they talk about others behind your back, what do you think they do about you when they're, when you're, when, when they're behind your back? Do the same exact thing. So notice again, he who goes about as a talebearer reveals secrets. Therefore what? Underline it. What's associate? Companionship. Company. Friendship. Do not associate. Don't become an associate. You know what an associate is? A partner, connection, company. Same thing. All the same words we've been talking about. Therefore, do not associate with one who what? Flatters with his lips. I'm going to tell you how this works. These people who are slanderers, when they talk to you, they'll flatter you. 
They'll, they'll talk great about you. Oh, you're so wonderful. You're great. Da, 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 da. Beware of people that want to flatter you all the time because most likely they're talking behind your back. There's nothing wrong with people being nice to you and encouraging you and say, man, I appreciate you. You helped in my life or you've been a blessing to me, whatever. But I mean they're, when they're constantly flattering you. When they feel like in the context of a church, they got to get up in front of everybody in the church. Now, I wouldn't get up in front of my pastor's church and say, my pastor's a bum. I, I wish I'd have never connected with him. You know, just, no. Obviously, I'm not going to put him down. I'm not going to stand up there and just say, oh, man, he's the greatest pastor on the planet. There's never been one like him. Wrong. No, there's a lot more like him. Are you listening? There's a lot more pastors like my pastor on the planet. He's not the only one. You listening? So flattery means they're trying to put you up on a pedestal above everybody else. You beware of these people. You beware of these people in our church. Because I guarantee if they're going to flatter you that way or flatter others that way, I promise you this, that they're constantly using their lips to flatter you or talk about in relationship flattering others in that aspect of what they're trying to do. How many of you know that a lot of times when you hear them all the time trying to flatter others, flat, flatter others, the next words are, oh, but did you know this about them? That's a slanderer. You listening? They're making mockery of what they're saying. They're a hypocrite. They're a hypocrite. So you got to understand something. Now, there's a difference between... Let's say Kathy and I have a disagreement. I might not agree with everything she thinks. She may not agree with everything I think. There's nothing wrong in a conversation. We've done it even talking to Pastor. Well, I don't agree with her on this. That's what I think. And she might say her opinion. That's not slander. That's not putting her down. That's just a disagreement. There's nothing wrong with a disagreement. Slander is when now you're mocking them with the intent of saying things to obviously push them down. Most people are slanderers, and we'll tell you why. Because they have a low self-esteem of themselves. And they're always pushing people below to try to lift themselves up. Not realizing what they're doing. Seriously. Not realizing what they're doing to try to make themselves feel better about themselves. So you got to understand this, folks. Slanderers are somebody who is constantly doing what? Revealing secrets. They're talking about other people saying things that they clearly should not be saying to anybody else. I'm going to guarantee you, I'm like Dr. Barclay. And yeah, have you ever opened your mouth and said things you shouldn't have, Pastor? Absolutely. I have. I'm human just like you. And I've had to repent and say, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have said that. Shouldn't have talked that way. Shouldn't have said that about that person. Who hasn't? There are things among certain key people in leadership relating to elders. Even sometimes department heads where we're having an issue with somebody. Now, we don't keep it secret from them. They already know. I've already talked to them. We're already dealing with them. That I might have to know, let an elder or department head know something to obviously protect that part of our church. That's not, again, it's not slandering them. It's saying, this is wrong. What they want to do here is wrong. We can't let them do that. So make sure they don't do that. That's not slander. We're just saying we're protecting our church. Don't let them do that. We're not talking about them of something secret they told me that I'm not supposed to tell somebody else. And by the way, no elder is ever supposed to talk to you and say, oh, don't worry, I won't tell pastor. If they do, which we have one elder, he's back in the corner back here. If Don ever did that, I know he won't. If Don ever did that, you know what you should do? You should leave Don and come to me and say, hey, pastor, Don said that I'm to talk to him about this, but don't tell you. Let me help you. No elder should ever tell you that. He's not the shepherd. I'm the shepherd. He's anointed to help me. You listening? Not to counsel you. 
He's anointed to help you. But no elder is to ever have a quote-unquote conversation with somebody in the church. And, and I've heard this statement told me over the years. It's an elder church member privilege. There ain't no such thing in the Bible. They ain't in Scripture. They ain't in the Bible anywhere. You can't find it. And if you're talking to people in the church about matters of their personal life or church life, and you're not going to tell me about it, or they're wanting to tell you things, and you're obviously saying, don't tell pastor, I got, I'll tell you what, we got a problem. Because that stuff ain't supposed to go on. That's called slander. Now let me help you. Stay away from slanderers. Because most of them are deceived and don't know it. I said most of them are deceived and they don't know it. So you don't want to become deceived. Isn't that right? I want you to see this very clear in Proverbs 20:19. So number six, the Bible tells us to not what? Associate with. Do not associate with one who is a tail bearer or a flatterer. 6a, Proverbs 20:19 in, in the God's Word translation. Listen, it says here, whoever goes around as a gossip tells secrets. That's a slanderer. Listen to the last part, talking about the flattery part. Do not associate with a person whose mouth is always open. If they're talking all the time, I will guarantee you, the Bible says if you open wide your lips, you'll have destruction. When I'm talking about talking all the time, I'm talking about talking about people. All the time, right? I'll guarantee you, I've had people around me, I just say, you know what? We're going to end this conversation right now because we don't need to talk about these people anymore. They're not here. I, I, I constantly have this challenge with, you know, people in marriage situations because they want to tell me their part without the other person there. I said, all I can do is address you as what you're to do as a husband or wife. We're not going to talk about them because they're not here. I don't talk about them if they're not here. I can't deal with and help them and know for sure what you're saying is truly what's going on because I'm getting one side of the story. So don't do that. I said, don't do that. I got one amen from my wife. The pastor's wife said amen. Everybody else real silent on this. Are y'all been slandering or gossiping? Don't give yourself away. I'm just teasing. Some of you looking at me like, oh, pastor, I didn't. No, I'm just joking. Come on. Exodus 23. Exodus 23. What are we doing? We're learning about what the Bible teaches. Say the Bible. See, now there's people that will tell you. I'm, I'll just be straight out honest with you. There's people over 33 years that have left this church that will tell you things about me that aren't true. They'll tell you things about other people in this church that aren't true. They'll, they'll, if you ever get around them, it's never about, hey, what's going on? Oh, man, we're doing great and all this. Sooner or later, guess what's going to come up? It's gonna, our church is going to come up. Why do you want to talk about it? You're not here anymore. God bless you. love you. But I'm not going to go have lunch with you, hang out with you, do all these kind of things. Because all I'm going to do is open myself up to disobedience to the Bible and therefore take a risk of putting myself in a position to be led astray because I choose my friends carefully. Carefully. All right, Exodus 23. We helping you at all tonight or just kind of making you upset and mad? All right, Proverbs 23, 2. Notice this. You shall not follow a crowd. Underline it. What a powerful, powerful statement. You shall not follow a crowd to do evil. Notice he didn't just say the crowd was doing evil. He said you shall not follow a crowd to do evil. Meaning what? Most of the time, not always. But you, man, this is proven through the Bible. 
Most of the time, where there's a crowd or a multitude of people, they're the ones doing the wrong thing. You ever notice this throughout the scripture? It's usually the small group. It's the minority of people that are doing what's right in the sight of God. And it's the majority that are not. You ever notice that all through scripture? That's what this verse is saying. You shall not follow a crowd to do what? To do evil. Nor shall you testify in a dispute so as to turn aside after many to pervert justice. So that means, again, being used in a way that's improper or wrong to do harm to others. But the key there, you don't want to follow a crowd to do what? To do evil. Turn to Numbers. Let's add to that Numbers 13. Turn forward to the book of Numbers. It's going over here to chapter 13. As they were talked to about this in relationship to the children of Israel coming out of Egypt in Exodus, it goes on to, go, to be dealt with in the book of Numbers as they came to the promised land. Remember the 12 spies, right? Sent in the 12 spies. Yes, no, maybe. Yep. It wasn't just the 10 that went for the evil report. Sadly. Was not. Watch this. Numbers 13, 26. Now they departed, the 12, 12 spies that were sent out to go into the promised land, come back. And they came back to Moses and Aaron. All the congregation of the children of Israel, over a million people, folks, all the, over a million, over a million people, all the congregation of the children of Israel, notice this, they came into the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh, and they brought back word to them, the twelve, and all the congregation, and they showed them the fruit of the land. 27, then they told him and said, told Moses, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. It's also kind of interesting to note that usually the evil report people are the first ones to speak up. This isn't Joshua and Caleb here. This is the ten, the representative of the ten who the Bible says is about to give an evil report. They tend to be the first ones to want to voice their opinion. You still here? Why? Trying to mislead. Being used of the enemy to mislead. Verse 27, they went, they went on to tell him and said, We did go into this land, flows with milk and honey. 28, nevertheless, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land, they're strong. The cities, fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak, giants, giants. We know literally minimum over seven feet tall and taller. I mean, huge people. 29, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, Jebusites, all these ites, Amorites dwell in the mountains. God knows they're there. And the Canaanites, they dwell by the sea, along the banks of the Jordan. But what did God say? I've given it to you. Go in, we'll possess it. It's not like I didn't destroy the Egyptians that came after you. It's not like I didn't part the Red Sea. It's not like I didn't cause all the plagues to happen in Egypt. It's not like I didn't cause all these miracles to happen all the way up until this point. Yes. Healed the water at Mara. Right. All these things I've done. And I told you I'll go in and the land's yours. Right. Notice verse 30. So now Caleb gets to talk. What did he have to do? What did Caleb have to do? Quiet. What did he have to do? Quiet. So now you got over a million people murmuring. Any idea how loud that is? Caleb quieted the people before Moses. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, where in the world did Caleb get such a statement? God. 
That's what God said. I said, that's what God said. Notice this, verse 31. But the men who had gone up with him, the other ten said, we're not able to go up. We're not able to go up against the people because they're stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land, which they had spied out, saying, The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. There we saw the giants. The descendants of Anak came from the giants, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. 14.1, so all the congregation lifted up their voices and cried out and said, Get rid of these ten of this evil report. We're going with the two. Almost nobody does that. Almost nobody does. What did we just read over there in Exodus? Don't follow the crowd to do evil. You're still here. So again, notice this. The congregation lifted up their voices and cried out, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel did what? Oh, here we go. So they complained against two. Now I want you to get this. What is it that we know is out of line with God as it relates to what goes on within the church. When you start complaining about leadership, listen to me, and you haven't even talked to the leadership. You haven't even talked to them. All you've done is listen to the majority. So surely because it's a majority, something must be wrong with Moses. Something must be wrong with this leadership. Something, this cannot be right. Because clearly, ten are giving us this horrible bad report. Only two are giving a good report. I'm going with the ten. Well, this is what most people do. You still here? Verse 2. So the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron, and the whole congregation said to them, If only we had died in Egypt, or if only we had died in the wilderness. See, What happens is, they won't say it this way, what happens is people will start going back to their old ways of living. Well, I know pastor teaches that. I know I once said I believe that, but I don't know if I believe that anymore. Same words. Same words. Wait a minute. You believed it and came out of bondage. Now you want to go back to bondage. That's what they're saying. If you believe the Bible and live it, guess what happens? Liberty. Truth sets you free. What happens when you start saying, well, you know, I once believed that, but I don't know if I believe that anymore. I'm going to tell you why. Look at their lifestyle. I promise you, they've already been cooling off. They've already been growing lukewarm. They're not as hot for God as they once were. They're not serving like they used to. Come on, somebody. They're not chasing God like they used to. That should be an obvious indicator. They're going the wrong direction. Guess why they started going that way? Somebody else got their attention. You're still here. Notice this, verse uh, 3 goes on to say why. Notice what they said. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? Why don't the Lord deal with pastor? I don't know why we're wanting to build this building. I don't know why we're wanting to go this direction. Have you even talked to the pastor? Well, no. Did these people even go talk to Moses? No. No, they're talking to the complainers. They're talking to the moaners, the groaners. Why will people not go to the one anointed to lead them? Who was anointed to lead them? Who was anointed to lead them? Who was anointed to minister to them as a high priest? Aaron was. And why are they speaking against Moses and Aaron, the ones anointed by God to lead them? Why are they going with the people that have no anointing on their life to lead them at all? Those people are, those ten are not anointed to lead them in the promised land. 
Are you listening? Their friends aren't anointed to lead them in the promised land. Moses was. Who are they listening to? They ain't listening to the ones anointed and gifted by God any longer. Well, surely they must have done something wrong. How do you know? Have you talked to them? Well, no. But don't you know what so-and-so said? Oh, so so so-and-so's now your shepherd. So-and-so's now, oh, they just all of a sudden got anointed by God to lead you now. See, people don't see this, and it's sad. And I'm saying it in a very direct way because you don't understand what that does to a pastor. Do you parents like seeing your kids getting taken advantage of? Do you parents love it when some other kid or somebody else gets influence in their life and starts causing them to think contrary to what you've raised them to believe? And now they're going down a destructive path. you get excited about that? Does it not kind of enrage you inside that that goes on? What do you think a pastor feels like? See, just like you, I'm not mad at the person. I'm mad at the very fact that this person is listening to this other person and allowing this to go on. They're going to go down a destructive path. Why has the Lord brought us, verse 3, to this land to, to fall by the sword that our wives and children should become victims? See, I'm a victim now. I'm not a victor. I'm a victim. People who complain against leadership are always a victim. If you're such a victim, what is it that we did so harmful to you? What is it that we did that victimized you? Teaching you the word? Pressing you to live it? Telling you if you don't, you can't experience what God has for your life? That makes you a victim? I'll guarantee you there's a lot of people that left this church that say they're victims because we simply would not back down from the word of God. Simply would not give in to what you wanted me to say to you because the Bible says contrary to that. I'm going to tell you right now, folks, Living the Bible is not always easy. No. Your flesh gets in the way and does not want to do it. That's true. Yes, that's so true. You still here? But living the Bible is the only way to liberty. It's the only way to victory. Right. It's the only way you're going to wind up rejoicing in the end. It's the only way. But it's not always easy. And you know, there's a difference between recognizing a shepherd. Sometimes you got to call somebody, help them along. But you know what? Sometimes you got to speak direct to them and say, listen, time to wake up. Because if you keep coddling them, guess what they'll do? They'll stay a baby. They won't grow up. And sometimes you got to be direct. How I many you know parents, you do that sometimes with your kid? You call your kid, they're going to continue to do what? They're going to stay a baby. But sometimes as they start growing up, you got to start being a little more direct. Say, come on, son, you should know better by now. Come on, daughter. Number, uh, verse 4, so they did what? So they said to one another, let's, let's, let's just make us a new leader. I'm not happy with this one anymore. Okay, so this is exactly what people do. Underline it. Let us select a new leader. So this is what people do. They're going to go find another pastor, another church, or they're going to make themselves another leader, uh, which most of the time is going to be another believer. If a believer leads them out to begin with, they're going to wind up at another church. That's really not going to be their pastor. Guess who's their pastor? The believer that led them there. That's who they're listening to. If the believer leaves that church, guess what they're going to do? They're going to go right along. If they're still being influenced by them. You're still here. And then sometimes Satan will just get them out where they're, you know, where, where they're away from where they're supposed to be. And then they'll kind of descend, they'll kind of, you know... Uh, disseminate to kind of depart for a while but sooner or later they come back watch this four so they said let us uh, let us then make another leader return to Egypt that's good go back to bondage Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel why because they knew this ain't good and Joshua and Caleb were the only two say the only two now we say the only two I'm talking about other twelve 
Moses wanted to go into that promised land too. Can you imagine? Three out of over a million. Three out of of over a million. And the younger generation did. But you better realize this, folks. It's not the majority that's usually right. Number seven, in the kingdom of God, popularity and majority don't mean much. You didn't hear that. In the kingdom of God, popularity, being popular, somebody very popular with others, and the majority don't mean much. Our pastors already warned, always warned us, you watch it with people with money, you watch it with people that are very influential in your church. I don't mean watch it like, you know, don't love on them, help them, no. But watch them because guess what? If they're sent by the enemy and they're actually a pawn or if they get caught up in deception and they're real popular or got money, they'll draw people. Because people like money, people like popularity. Y'all think so? Look at social media. 7A, don't go the way of the crowd. That's what Exodus 23, 2 told you. Don't go the way of the crowd. 7B, realize the majority are not usually right. They often tend to be those who go in by the wide gate, which leads to destruction. C, back your notes. Many believers are taken in falsely, thinking that if the majority are against the leadership God gave them, then there must be something wrong. That's what all the children of Israel thought. Matter of fact, they challenged Moses at one time. Boy, I tell you what, they weren't, the the group that challenged them, I guarantee you, uh, they got swallowed up by the earth. God was not happy about it. I said, God was not happy about it. I chose them. You're telling me I didn't choose them? (laughs) I think God, God knows who he chose. Amen? So realize this. You got to understand, just because believers are taken and falsely thinking the majority are against the leadership uh, that God gave them, that there must be something wrong, incorrect. There is something wrong, but it's not usually the leadership. Sin will find you out. D, unfortunately, there is something wrong, but it's not with their leadership. You will Notice this. You will only hear false accusations without any proof. I sat with a whole group of people years ago in my office, accused of all kinds of wrongdoing. I said, okay, what have I done wrong? She sat there with me. Ask her. Well, I'm going to tell you who it was. It doesn't matter. It's not who I'm talking about. It's what I'm talking about. Well, you've done wrong. Okay, what have I done? Well, it's hard to put a finger on it. Excuse, what? Well, it's just hard to, it's hard to explain. Well, how can I know what I've done wrong if you can't explain it? And they never could. In over an hour-long conversation, there was never one thing that was ever said, this is what you're doing wrong. It's just that it's wrong here. We need to go. I love you. If you're not going to stay submitted, God bless you. Go find a good shepherd. See you. I'll be praying for you. But you better not leave here telling other people, and they did. And I had to stand up and deal with it because I'm to protect my flock. All because of something's wrong that you can't tell me what's wrong. So most of the time it'll be false accusations with nothing to back it up. E, instead of listening to these other people who are often what? Friends. Notice this. Friends that have what? Gone bad. They're they're now wrongly influenced. They're now doing things that aren't right in the sight of God. What should you do? You should go to your leadership to whom God anointed to lead you. Why would they not go talk to Moses about this? They didn't. They just believed the ten. Notice, to not do so is to choose to allow those, who, those not called by God to lead you. So now you're letting them lead you. Think about that. That, that over a million people let 10 uh, people of those 12 mislead them and lose their lives in the wilderness after 40 years. Gee, over a period of time, these relationships have to change when others no longer submit to leadership and they choose to go their own way. Or you can be wrongly influenced and wind up in the desert with them. 
Oh, sorry, God did not anoint your friends to lead you, and therefore you must again be very careful who you have as friends. God does anoint leadership to lead you. Psalm 1, Psalm 1, there's no place in the Bible ever in all of Scripture it says your friends are to lead you in your decisions as a believer. How many know that? I said, how many know that? The Bible is, the Holy Spirit is, and godly leadership is. Uh, Friends can help you to understand things you may not know if they're walking in truth. But if they're walking in truth, they're good friends. All they're doing is doing the same thing I'm going to do. They're going to point to the Bible. Psalm 1. Psalm 1 verse 1. Blessed is the man or woman. It's just talking about an individual person. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of what? Ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners. Nor do they sit in the seat of the, which we talked about earlier. Slanderers, gossips, that's the scornful. Two, but his delight is in the law of what? The law is God's teachings. If you look that word up, it's just his teachings, his ways. His delight, the one who's blessed. Say the one who's blessed. What is he delighted? Not what other people tell him. What God said. Not what other people tell him. Come on. What God said. Well, I got godly counsel from somebody else in this church. This is what they told me. They used some verses to back it up. But you didn't go to your leadership to find out if that's true? You can take any verse and make it say what you want. But his light's in the law of the Lord. In his law, he does what? So if you're meditating in day and night, then maybe you might be able to say, yeah, I'm really getting revelation of the word. But most people aren't doing that. They're just hearing from somebody else what they want to hear. Three, he shall be. Who's this again? Who are we talking about? Talking about the one who's blessed. Blessed. The very first word he started off with. He shall be what? Be like a tree. He'll be planted. Who will? The blessed man will be be like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water. That brings forth what? It's fruit in its season. Whose leaf shall not wither. And whatever. Come on. Whatever this person does. Prosper. On your notes, number eight. There are three things that God tells us to stay away from in order to do what? I said there's three things God tells us to stay away from in order to do what? Prosper. What are they? 8A, ungodly people counseling you. What's an ungodly person? Wicked, sinful. They're going opposed to what God said. If you're godly, you're living like God. God like. If you're ungodly, you're not. You're walking in opposition to the word. Don't let them counsel you. By the way, don't let any other believer counsel you. It's okay if they point you to Scripture, but to try to counsel you and give you answers for life without just simply saying, well, here's a verse. Here's some Scripture. Go study it. But you ought to go talk to your leadership who's anointed to do that. 8B. You also not, if you want to prosper, you want to prosper? You got to stay away from sinners. Standing around with sinners. That's a companionship again. That's a fellowship. That's a friendship. Don't want to do that. I said, don't want to do that. Because it talks about standing in the path of. So you're, you're with them. You're spending time with them. You're doing things they do. 8C, you also don't want to be sitting, eating, and fellowshipping with what? Scorners or mockers. Again, that's just listening to gossip. Listen to people that just mouth on. Because it's not going to be good. Proverbs 21 in closing. You still with me, aren't you? Yes. Proverbs 21. Good stuff, church. Good protective stuff for the last days. Because realize again, the number one thing people, excuse me, the number one uh, thing Satan uses to mislead other believers, almost all the time, as we've talked about many times, learned from Dr. Sumrall, people. And the Bible bears it out. Proverbs 21, 16. If you're there, say amen. Amen. If you're not, say oh me. Hurry, oh me. Come on. 
Proverbs 21. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. Wow. A man or woman who wanders away, a man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. That just means they won't walk in the God kind of life. They won't walk in the life God has for them. Because death, in most cases, including this verse, means separated from what is really life itself, and that's God and what God has for you. Think about this. The Bible says His word, His words are spirit and they are life. The Bible also says in Romans chapter 8 that if you are spiritually minded, life and peace. If you're carly minded, guess what? Death. So obviously death is not just dying. It just means to be separated from the kind of life God wants you to live out. One more time, read it. A man who wanders from the way of understanding will rest in the assembly of the dead. I want you to make a note next to this if you can in your Bible, and I'm going to explain that. I'm going to tell you what that actually is referring to as it relates to me and you in the context of the time frame we're under in the new covenant. Write down a little note next to it, Jeremiah 3.15. How do I get understanding? Jeremiah 3.15 tells you. God said, I am going to give you shepherds. And those shepherds are going to be anointed to teach you with knowledge and understanding. A man who wanders from understanding is going to wind up in death. How do you wander from, from understanding in the New Testament? You don't have a pastor or you wander away from that pastor. Because God anointed, Jeremiah 3.15, pastors to teach you with knowledge and understanding. So how do I wander away from understanding? I don't receive what my pastor has to give me anymore. I don't have a pastor anymore. Or I'm just totally not receiving what my pastor says. Nine, you must take full responsibility to stay in church, excuse me, in a church that is alive and well. That clearly is doing what God taught that we should be doing because if they are, guess what? You're going to get knowledge and understanding. And therefore you won't wander from the way. Of understanding. Now you could be in a church and still wander away from the way of understanding. How do you do that? You're not a doer of the word. I give you knowledge, what the Bible says about something. I give you understanding. Here's how you apply it. We did a lot of that tonight in these verses. And if you don't apply it and walk it out, what are you doing? You are walking away from the way of understanding. That's going to lead to death, not life. But thank God we can walk in life. Stand your feet. Praise God. Did I help you at all tonight? We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.